Good evening, sports fans, fans of the Over Six Sports Podcast. I am Zach the Bandit Burke, and with me, as always, is the Turf King, Cameron Charlton. What's going on, buddy? Well, what a disappointing weekend. And I'm going to touch on this in two facets. Football for me, super disappointing weekend. The Dolphins did not look good. And we're going to talk about the Jays a bit here too. And it's disappointing and it's not to me. Like this weekend was unbelievable. This last week for the Jays was unbelievable. At the end, it is ultimately disappointing. They're not playing in the wild card game tonight. They didn't play in game 163 yesterday. But man, it was a ton of fun being at the game, being in that atmosphere, being in the Rogers Center when it's full. You were there Sunday and I imagine it was the same feeling. Being there, being a fan, yeah, you were there for the disappointment, but it was unbelievable. So I'm taking a lot of pauses from that football side, though, just super disappointing. Yeah, and I mean, it was uh, definitely a weekend of upsets. I mean, through the first four weeks of the NFL season, I mean, this is something obviously that we had looked forward to for a long, long time. Um, obviously, we still love it. But uh, this year, there's been a lot of dogs winning, a lot of dogs covering. Um, it's It's been pretty wild to start. Um, yeah, I, I was in the building at the Rogers Center on Sunday. Uh, the Jays just smacked the Orioles uh, as expected. They, they completed the sweep, but it wasn't enough as uh, Boston and the Yankees both won on Sunday. Um, the real gut-wrenching thing was, you know, the Jays win. You know, Springer had an unbelievable game, Had you know, was just finishing up his uh, on-field interview. The crowd was going nuts. They throw on the Washington game, which they had a big lead early. Uh, so it was looking good for a while. It's James Duffy's fault, I think. Um, he tweeted out they, they had a 5-1 lead, and that disappeared. Um, but they throw the Washington game on, and the like the first pitch they show at the Rogers Center on the big screen was a home run. And then the building just went. like You heard a collective, oh, no, as the ball was hit. And then they show it going out, and the building, you could hear a pin drop. And the building emptied in about two minutes. And it was just one of those things where – like they kind of put themselves and we'll dive right into it. I mean, we're obviously going to go over our picks from last week and talk about the NFL as we normally do. Um, but we do have to kind of wrap up this J season and talk about it a little bit. Um, at the end of the day, uh, when another team has your destiny in your hands, that's, that's, that's your own fault. Like you can't rely on other teams to make the playoffs. I mean, it does happen, but it's never a great or like not a good position to be in. No, not at all. You still put up 91 wins and didn't even get into a game 163, which is kind of crazy now. Like with two wild card spots and everything, like the Jays had a crazy year. You look at it, 91 wins. You had going to have probably the runner up and maybe the third or fourth place in MVP voting. Really good chance at having the Cy Young winner. You're going to have at least two or three silver sluggers on this team. Like it was just a tremendous year. And it was just a fun last week. I know it sucked because they put it in the hands of the other teams. And, I mean, they did what they did. They knew those, they had to win the last three games, and they just beat up on the O's. And they should have done that earlier in the year to some other teams. But there's a billion games you can look back on. But, I mean, I'm just trying to take positives. Like, just to be in that atmosphere again, just to be scoreboard watching the last thing. As a fan, that's especially in baseball, that's all that matters. You cared, and there was important games down to 162. And how disappointing it is. That's also what being a fan is and how much fun it can be to a fan. And getting to that live again last week was just unbelievable. It's been so long since I've got to do that. And, yeah, it's disappointing in the end. And now I know kind of what it's like trying to cheer for every Toronto sports (laughs) franchise. I don't know how you do it. But 
at the same time, it was a ton of fun. And there's so much hope for this team, especially going into next year. Got to find a way to keep Robbie Ray. I doubt Simeon's going to stay, but sounds like it. He's considering it. But you just look around at this team and you're like, man, this is going to be fun next year. Well, there's a couple thoughts. The, the first one for me is I don't remember the last time I was that excited to spend $17 on a beer. So I did that. So that was fun. Um, you know, Del, so the, the one thing speaking about going back to kind of what you're saying about Toronto being a Toronto sports fan, walking back to the subway, there's a kid who says, you know, I, I, he's like, well, we, the, the Toronto sports team is just MLSE and Rogers just need a trademark. There's always next year. Cause, it, and, and I was like, man, like out of all the things that drunk people in the crowd, one guy was like completely hammered on a Sunday night game one sixty two, And I was like, Okay, that seems aggressive. But anyway, the one thing the drunk person that was the one thing the drunk person said that I was like, dang, that's actually like not bad because it legitimately is besides the Raptors in the last and then, you know, for Toronto sports teams, the last uh, and TFC, whatever. But out of the major sports, like the last 20, 25 years has not been, um, you know, other than, you know, the Jays 2015 thing, but nobody's really won anything major. Um, and yeah, I mean, the difference between the Jays and the Leafs are in the sense is that, you know, baseball as hockey does a little bit, but baseball more so has a lot of turnover year after year. Like you have the kind of the three or four core guys, but then there's a massive amount of turnover much, much more frequently. Um, there definitely is a lot of positives here. Uh, you know, the Ray and the Barrios and, um, and Simeon stuff like that, that can all be kind of talked about. I think the most important thing to remember here is, is that you won 91 games and it's in a year where you were not expected to win. I think that's important. And I think it's important for the franchise and for head office. So you win 91 games and now Ross Atkinson and, and uh, Mark Shapiro can go to management ownership and say, Hey, like you guys, thanks for the green light you gave us on some trades this year, but now we have to go and spend more money. Like we have a good enough core where we can fill in pieces kind of throughout the year. We signed guys to one year deals. We gave Springer a good size deal, but now let's like move it up to the next level. Let's try to get close to what some of the other teams in our division are spending because without that, we're not going to have a chance. If you look at our core, we were right there without spending that much money. Could you imagine how good we would be with spending even half as much as the, as the gap that's there between the two or three teams. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they weren't expected to compete this year. They were expected to compete for a wild card spot. They made the playoffs in the weird year last year. So a lot of people thought they'd be in this position competing for this wild card spot. And you do go into next year and you look at some of the things like you still have a rotation, assuming Simeon and Ray leave, you still got a rotation. That's going to have Barrios, Manoa, Steven Matz is probably going to come back cheap and it's not going to be that bad yeah Ryu Nate Pearson if he can get back in the starting lineup like it's not that bad the other advantage they have looking ahead to kind of this Ray and Simeon thing is because Simeon didn't get qualified the year before the Jays can qualify him so he can choose to come back on that deal and if not the Jays get a pick which is kind of nice the Ray situation not so much but the advantage to Ray is there's a reason he stayed in Toronto he got offered similar money other places. He really likes their pitching coach. He really likes this atmosphere. And you just you could hear how much fun him and Simeon had this year. And just Simeon at the end, he's like, we have one of the best pitching staffs in the league. We have the best hitting team in the league. How would I not think about coming back to this? So it's going to be super exciting. And I know baseball has turnover and stuff, but you see teams thrive for at least a few years. And with how young this team is, they're going to thrive. 
Like Guerrero's breaking records for players twenty two or yep. under. He's he's that young. We got to remember that guys don't usually even play in the majors till they're kind of getting closer to their mid twenties because a lot of the guys do the college route. This guy's here at twenty two, and gonna finish runner up in the MVP. But almost any other year would have won MVP with this season. This is how good this team is. It's super exciting, and I'm looking forward to this offseason. They got to spend. They know they do. Barrios is only signed for one more year. You got guys who are getting older like Ryu and Springer, and how many more years of really good baseball are they going to have left? You're assuming at least one or two more based on their contracts. The fourth, the last year in each contract, you're, you paid you paid extra to get them here, and yep. that's that extra year, but... For now, it's it's exciting, and I'm looking forward to the offseason and seeing what they can do in free agency. Finding a third baseman, getting some help in the bullpen, it's fun. Well, it's one of those things, too, where it's nice to know the direction, right? I, I personally did not think – I mean, again, I always look at this, and this is like – again, maybe it's this Toronto sports bias, but like I always talk about the window, right? The window being open, the window being closed to win a championship or a title or whatever you want to call it. And for me, this year, the window was not open. I mean, I know that over the last month, the Jays were the best team in the AL East and Buster Posey and all these guys are saying nobody wants to play the Jays. I believe that. Um, but consistently this year, they were not, they, they had bullpen struggles. They had, obviously, look at the bullpen game they played against the Twins. They did not, they did not go well. Um, and there's definitely room for improvement. So I thought next year was the window. So to have them win 91 games in a non-window year is is massive. Like, it, it, it really is. And as as um you know when buck martinez and uh and i think it was uh, dan uh shulman were talking about um having these games where they are meaningful and there's pressure like that's all ex- like super super valuable to young players like bo bouchette um vladi guerrero uh even guys like danny Alec jansen manoa. manoa like exactly right like having them in situations like this is absolutely massive um so that next year when they're in this position and who knows, like it is a rough, like it's, it is rough that they're in, in that division, frankly, like this is very similar in the NHL to the Atlantic division where you're like, there are eight teams in this division that legitimately should make the playoffs or could make the playoffs. And you're going to get five of them max that can make it. So like the, that's the kind of situation that they're in. Um, you can't really change that. And unfortunately, it's got you have some of the big spenders and the big hitters of the league in there. But what you can do is is build that culture and and make it exciting and promising so that players want to come there. And that's something that I thought I think Toronto sports teams have done a really good job of in the last couple of years. Raptors, especially Raptors, Jays, the Leafs. They've built an, a young core. They've built exciting programs. Their coaching staff is really good. Their development's really good. And they're making players want to come there. And I think that's a leg up that you need to have when, you know, dollars are dollars, but some people just like to win. Yeah, and I mean, just kind of wrapping up this season, and if you're a Toronto sports fan, there's a big difference here between the end of the Leaf season and the end of the Jays season. Leaf season, no there's a lot of, lot of fans who were embarrassed super disappointed didn't know where to go if you're a jays fan you, you you could be super proud you could be super excited this was fun and from what i see it's only going to get better going into next year so i'm excited because i'm only a jays fan and not a Leafs fan so uh let's look forward to a good year next year and it's going to start with this offseason well the window's open for the Leafs, and that was the killer right <laughs> like the window was open and you fucked it up 
And that's that's the big thing. And you've also had years of. I got a notification on my phone yesterday, which is just a kick in the nuts. It was like Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, another two years under Sheldon Keefe, hoping he can guide the ship. The Leafs haven't made the play, haven't uh, won a playoff round since 2004, and I was like, Jesus, it's been 18, no, 17 years since we since we won a playoff round. 17 years, dude. I was 10 years old the last time they they won a playoff round. I just want to, I do want to touch on that now that you brought it up. Does it not seem like an odd time to up Sheldon Key for two years? Carolina didn't even do it with Rob Brendamore before his deal was up because they wanted to see what he could do and see if he could get them over another step. Don't you think that maybe this is a year where if Sheldon Keefe can't get it done, you can just walk away? Why are you giving him two more years in a really make or break year? I think this is something to be said about like where the brass of the Leafs think this, like that's the timeline they're giving in my opinion for this core group and Keith and Kyle Dubas, because I think I don't believe that Kyle Dubas probably had the green light to do whatever he wants in terms of coaching. Like I think Brendan Shanahan's definitely has a say in that. Um, and obviously he reports to above. So I think it's just very indicative of where they're at management wise saying, Hey, this is a two year window you get. And frankly, like Dubis rides and dies with Keith at this point, if Keith fails and they keep failing, Dubis is toast and he knows it. So you can't move off your guy. You put him in there. Your job is equally attached to his. So you're like, okay, let's just ride it out. See what happens and go from there. I guess like, I mean, and I guess at the end of the day, like money's not anything to the Leafs. No. So if Dubas is done at the end of the year, if they go through another disappointing year, they can get rid of Keefe too and pay him the money. They don't really care that much about the money. So I mean, we're still paying I, Phil Kessel next year and we're still paying uh, Mike Babcock next year. So, I mean, no, we don't care. Uh, we just spend money ridiculously. If only the Leafs could be like the Yankees and there was luxury tax because we would have like a NHL 2005, like, <laughs> the campaign mode team where you just have the best players take salary cap off and just go. But I mean, you had that with the Rangers for years and they still somehow sucked when they could spend way more than even the current cap is. I think they spent like almost $200 million the one year and still didn't win the cap. Yeah, Well, so. money doesn't always buy chips. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, it's worked for the Yankees. Baseball maybe is a little bit different, but, um, but it doesn't even always work for the Yankees. You no. pay these older guys too much money at some point and you get screwed. So, I mean, it's getting that time of year where we need to talk hockey, but we got a lot of football to touch on, Burke. Yes, we do. And we are going to wrap up week four of the over six NFL picks. And Cam, it was a tough week. One of us had a mediocre week. The other had a not so good week. Our locks were tough this week. But let's not beat around the bush. Let's get right to it. What was uh, what's the first game on our recap, and how did we do? Oh, I just got to touch on it. Once you come off a heater, sometimes you get a little overconfident. Yep. And I, that's all I have to say happened this week. But uh, <laughs> moving in, moving into Thursday nighter, we had Jacksonville heading to Cincy. Cincy was laying seven and a half, and really Jacksonville should have won this football game. Cincy ended up pulling it off, twenty four twenty one. This just seems like Urban Meyer wants to lose his job. He does. 
I, I actually don't even know if I want to talk about the football game as much as I do Urban Meyer, to be honest. Um, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, I think this might have been the first game that he actually looked like he fit in. And maybe it was just a spot where, you know, for the Bengals where they're like, oh, OK, like they took they took it a little bit lightly and, and maybe they should maybe they shouldn't have. I mean, the Jags got the run game going um, pretty well and. I don't yeah, know. It was a big James Robinson. Yeah, game. it was huge. And I don't know where that's been all year. I don't know if they haven't been comfortable running that or they just played, you know, they've played enough good teams where they couldn't get them going. Um, but yeah, man, like it was definitely one of those games where I'm like watching it happen. And I'm like, how are the Bengals not going to cover this game? Like they had multiple possessions and they just, they like chances galore and they were just doing bad play calls you know they had they had missed field goals and like ah geez dude and the same can be said for the jag the jags were like they had opportunities to win and the jags were up 14 nothing and 21 7 i know they should have won this game no problem for sure they like they should have and like if you look at like like trevor lawrence was 17 for 24 204 yards one touchdown no interceptions 96.5 96.5 pass rating, which isn't great, but it's not like he's throwing two picks. And, I mean, they still couldn't get it done. And I think that's kind of the the crazy part here. This is like Jacksonville may have put up their one of their better games this year, one of their best games this year, against a team that's good but not like lights out good, and they still couldn't get it done. No, and it just, again, it feels like Urban Meyer doesn't want to be there. You see everything coming out after the football game, and it's it's just a mess, and I don't know what Jacksonville does, but I, I did see quite a bit from Trevor Lawrence. He looked comfortable. He was rushing quite a bit, which looked good. He looked a lot more like the guy in college and the guy who's the top prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck. So that was nice to see, but uh, since he still pulled out the win, and to me, he's just have an average team who beat a not very good team at the end of the day. And so Urban Meyer, this is the first time in his career that he's lost four straight games. Um, obviously, he was coaching college football prior. Um, and speaking of Urban Meyer, man got his hand caught in the cookie jar. Does Urban Meyer not know that like people know who he is and like cell phones exist? Because if you're gonna be doing that stuff, dude, like you got to be like that's got to be off screen, man. Like you can't do that out in public. People are gonna know. Yeah, the funniest thing is that the one girl who was a part of this actually said, who is this old guy in one of her Snapchats and actually didn't know. But yeah, I mean, again, this just seems like he doesn't care right now. He doesn't really want to be in Jacksonville. We all know he wants to be at USC. So let's just like he doesn't want to quit because he's come out and said, no, no, I'm I'm all about this team. You're clearly not. Like, let's move on. Clearly not. And I mean, the Jacksonville owner basically came out today and was like, yeah, we're really disappointed in, in Urban. He has to regain our trust, and he was very apologetic, and I believe him. And I'm like, man, if you're already having discussions about this guy, like the, there was closed – apparently there was closed-door meetings, like they were discussing the issue, which whatever, may or may not be true. But, like, if you're already discussing and you're disappointed with your coach after four games and your team's 0-4, there's nothing stopping you from just letting this guy loose at, like, seven or eight games. Like, if they lose eight straight – <laughs> like, like I don't see a I don't see a world where he doesn't get 
fired before the end of the year, frankly. No, and I mean, I don't really know what to think, and I mean, I don't really want to spend too much more time talking about the Jaguars. I don't know about you. Fair enough. Moving along, we had the New York football giants heading to New Orleans. New Orleans laying seven and a half, and this is just what we talked about. Jameis shows up every other week. Yep. This was the off week. But this, this to me was a game with this was Saquon Barkley looking like the Saquon Barkley from two years ago. Yep. The guy went off. He had 13 rushes, 52 yards, a touchdown, five receptions for 75 yards, and a touchdown. Like, this was the Saquon Barkley that was drafted high in fantasy, that looked really good. And Daniel Jones went off. Daniel Jones had 402 yards, two touchdowns. He had an interception, but it was a Hail Mary that really wasn't anything. So, I mean, credit to the New York Giants here. And New Orleans is just kind of a mess. I still don't know what their offense is doing. Alvin Kamara had a big game rushing. He had over 100 yards, but he didn't have one reception. That's not how you use Alvin Kamara. Yeah, no. Like, it's it's one of those things, as we said, it's, it's this every other week thing. And I think the Giants had something to prove. Um, and maybe we overlooked that angle. Like, watching the, the Falcons-Giants game the week before may have hurt me a little bit there because they looked awful, and I should have known – but I, to me, I, I can't. I just can't believe that New Orleans laid that much of an egg in front of their home fans for the first time. Like maybe they got them hyped themselves up, you know, got down and then started like, you know, like like started. They they missed the field goal. There's tur- like turnovers on downs. They got a little bit uh, got a little bit tight, and then Danny Dimes just did his thing and actually looked like an actual NFL quarterback this week. And they just you know, couldn't respond at all. Yeah. We'll see what happens going forward with both teams. Again, I think it's kind of two average teams. I thought the giants were going to be better than they've been this year. And they haven't been new Orleans. They're average. They're two and two. That's kind of, they're going to be average. We'll see if Jameis can pull it together next week, which I mean, you almost got to bet on them next week. And then the following week, bet against them again, but. And we were it, both it on an the interesting Saints. game. Right. Yeah, so, I definitely thought the Saints were going to come out big because the Giants had looked so poor. But so they so we're they starting this, this week zero and two. Yeah, it was not a good. That's start not a good start week. at all. Moving into the next game, we had KC going to Philly. KC laying seven points, and that wasn't enough. I mean, no, I know it only finished forty-two thirty, so they covered easily. But this was just them going off. I mean, the only reason this was close because Jalen Hurts had a touchdown with four seconds left, which was a nothing touchdown. But Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, they went off, and this is what you expected to see. Yeah, I mean, they were not they were not going to be a one in three team. No, no, not at all. And th- this was my biggest bet of the week. Like this is the one I definitely put the the most units on. Um, and obviously, I, I just bet the money line, big big money on the money line. I, th- there was zero chance them losing this game. I probably should have locked this one up to be honest. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think. Oh, oh, there's two things I want to say about the Chiefs. The first one is um, Clyde, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has, has looked good in two games straight, 100-plus rushing yards in, in, in the last two games. Um, and that's that's huge for the Chiefs because when he's not going and their run game's not going and Tyreek gets doubled, then they're, they're just not the same offense. Like They need that uh, change of pace so that they can – otherwise teams are just going to always clue in that they're, they're throwing and it's just not going to be as good. Um, and the second thing is, is I still have massive question marks about the Chiefs defense. Massive. Like when the Cowboys defense makes the Chiefs defense look 
like horse shit when they play the same team the last like the last two weeks like man i don't know and i just don't think that like if you look at the chiefs and the fact that they've lost two games this year if they don't pick up their defensive schemes or make adjustments early then later in the season or in the in, early in the playoffs you know teams are going to be able to expose them and you're not going to be able to rely on this like what was it two two three years ago when they were down like 21 nothing at the half and they came back in the third quarter with like five touchdowns. You're not going to be able to do that this year, I don't think. I think that teams have seen you enough that they know, so they got to make adjustments sooner than later on defense if they want to have a chance at another Super Bowl. Yeah, the big thing that's been nice to see these last two weeks is the running game. So your offense is good enough to score at almost almost any time you want. So that's where still like even being down 14 is not much. But if you can control the ball more and knock the clock off more, your defense spends less time on the field. And for KC, that's ideal because this defense is still not good. But if you can mix in the running game with this, how good this pass offense is, teams can't cheat to the pass offense. You can hold the ball longer, take your time moving downfield. And I think that's important to keep your defense off the field more. Well, just ask the, the Eagles last week how keeping your defense on the field all game works. They get tired quickly and then they just get absolutely pummeled out of the building. Yeah, so moving along, we had Houston heading to Buffalo. Buffalo was laying 16 and a half, and I mean, that wasn't even close to enough, I guess. 40 to nothing. Yipper. Davis Mills, I actually thought, looked good in his first week after Tyrod Taylor. But he was horrible. <laughs> 87 yards, four interceptions, no touchdowns. He was not good at all. And, I mean, that's what you expect from a mid-round rookie quarterback. And, I mean, with Houston right now, I'm just thinking you got to fade them until Tyrod's back. If When Tyrod's back, I think they're a capable team. But we got to give credit to Buffalo. After week one, where the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense was healthy for the only time this year, they struggled. After that, this offense and defense has looked good. I don't think Josh Allen's looked as good as he was last year. Stephon Diggs hasn't needed to step up, but this defense has been really good, and this team is arguably the best team in the AFC right now. Well, and you and I are on opposite sides on this one. Not that the Bills would win, but just that they would cover. And one of the things I said last week is the Texans got to score points, and they scored zero. And I brought up that they the Bills beat Miami, and that's an anomaly. But is it now? Uh, it, it just seems to me that like that these lower tier teams and and you know obviously at the start I didn't consider Miami to be lower tier team we're gonna get there, um, but against these lower tier teams they're really really struggling to score points on the Bills and it's just it's just not working for them right now, and I mean zero points I guess you could say you're gonna get them next time, but. Uh, I mean, I don't really think it's as good as the defense is, is how bad the quarterback play against them Could be. is. Uh, what we've learned is Davis Mills in his second game was not very good, which you see all the time. And we were learning in a hurry, Jacoby Brissett is not good. Yeah, so that's the truth. I mean, some credit to the Bills' defense for sure, but the other half of it is the quarterback play against them is not good at all, so it makes it quite a bit easier to play defense. I thought they'd cover the 16. I didn't think that they would cover the 39 and a half. Next game. Yeah, so moving along, we had Carolina heading to Dallas. Uh, Dallas was laying five points here, and they did it 36-28. And, I mean, if Sam Darnold could have figured out in the first half at all, Carolina could have won this game because they were the better team in the second half. But early on, Sam Darnold was very bad. Well, and again, like I, we're on opposite sides in this one. I had the boys covering, 
and the Cowboys have not let me down. Every time I've picked them this year, they've covered. They're just the covering machine right now. Dak Prescott again continues to look uh, really good. Zeke's had had a had a resurgence, and again, like a, a, an interesting stat. So when the Panthers allow twenty two points or more, they're zero and twelve since 2020 so that's not that long but they're 0 and 12 when they allow 22 points or more so there's two things that 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 points to me is number one if their defense has a good game then they win games so they keep games close and they can win close games the second thing that it tells me is is that if they that they don't like their offense is good but they don't blow the doors off of people necessarily so when you play a high off like a high octane offense like Dallas this year, I can't believe that after four games I'm calling Dallas high octane, but I don't know how you can't. Like Schultz at tight end has looked like I don't know where he's come from. He's looked so good. Zeke's looked really good. Um CeeDee Lamb's been disappointing, but Dak is just unbelievable right now. And uh and yeah, I mean I can't I, I, I'm disappointed that the boys are this good because Again, they're like the Toronto Maple Leafs of the NFL, and I like to hate. I'm in your position where I just hate on the Cowboys, but they're winning me spread. Everyone knew their offense would be good if it could stay healthy. That wasn't a question. Their offense was unbelievable last year healthy. Their defense just was horrible, and their defenses look good. Trayvon Diggs has been unbelievable. The guy's got five interceptions in four weeks. He's making a huge difference on that defense. So you actually have a lot of parts of this defense that are looking really good. Vander Ash, Micah Parsons is stepping in and being unbelievable. So that's the thing that's been shocking with them is they're able to get stops. They're not getting completely exposed. Their secondary is not horrible. It's actually been quite good. So these all these are all these things that are stepping up for them where, again, everyone knew this offense was going to be good. Everyone drafted this offense high in fantasy football because if healthy, they are unbelievable. But their defense has been much better than anyone anticipated. And what's more shocking to you right now that the Panthers are up, sorry, they have a three and one record or that Sam Darnold has five rushing touchdowns in the first four games of the season. See, I was a huge fan of Sam Darnold for the jets. I thought they had no offensive line, no receivers, and you had Adam Gase. You, you give him a decent offensive line. You give him some good receivers and there's no Adam Gase and he's thriving. He's looked really good. And this is kind of the Sam Darnold that they drafted high and he's in a way better situation now. And he even this game looked really good and he didn't have his blanket in Christian McCaffrey and he still managed to find DJ Moore a ton and really push the ball and his legs have been really good. So I'm actually really impressed with what I've seen from Sam Darnold so far this year. And we'll see if he can keep it up. And um, again, we were on opposite sides in this one. Panthers were your lock of the week. We'll get to the lock record at the end. Yeah, moving along, we had Cleveland heading to Minnesota. Cleveland was laying two, and they covered this game, and this game was kind of ugly, but to me, this is adding to why I think Cleveland's actually a really good football team this year. This seems like a game that they would always lose. Just this scrappy game that didn't really do much. Both teams kind of all messed. Their defense held up really well. Their defense has looked really good so far this year, and they just find a way to win, and they've done that a couple times this year already, and that's a big difference between a good and a bad team. Even when things aren't clicking, like Baker didn't look good this game, they find a way to win. And again, this is a game where I actually think Cleveland is proving to me that 
they're a good football team and have a chance in the AFC. Yeah, and we were high on them to start the the year. Um, and I just I I I totally agree with you. I think the one again the, the to kind of reiterate it is that Cleveland can win multiple ways, right? They can win a shootout game. They can win a defensive battle. They can win in the middle, right? Like this one where you're like you have two offenses, which are you know like the Vikings have Thielen, Jefferson. Dalvin Cook, like this, this is an offense that can put up a lot of points and you held them to seven. That's a massive testimony to your team and the fact of how versatile you are, right? You look at this and say, okay, in the playoffs, if you're playing the Chiefs, uh, again, you know, you're going to have, like, you're going to have this defensive scheme and this defensive and these defensive players hyped up for this because you've done it all season long. I'm still high on the Browns. I was start high at the start and I'm still high on the Browns now. Yeah, it's been a really promising start for the Browns, especially with their division kind of looking the way it is. So we'll see them keep moving along. Moving into the next game, we had Tennessee heading to the New York Jets. Tennessee laying seven and a half. And Upset I mean, this, alert. This number was changed down to like four and a half by game time with no A.J. Brown, no Julio Jones. And yeah, this was an upset, but it didn't shock me as much without those two receivers because Ryan Tannehill, we both know, Yep. isn't a great quarterback. No. We've learned that he's a capable quarterback with good receivers in A.J. Brown and when you have a running back like Henry. But when you have no receivers anymore and you got Henry running it over 30, time, 30 carries, it's not good. And this was actually a game where Zach Wilson looked okay. He looked kind of hit or miss. Like some of these passes, these long passes, you're like, kind of reminded you of Patrick Mahomes-esque where it's like hit or miss, like he can't get away with it, and then he does. And Zach Wilson pulled it off this game, and we'll see if it can continue. But just kind of an odd game. When we kind of knew everything that came out of this game, again, it doesn't shock me. I would have definitely, at 7.5 especially, taken the Jets without the two top receivers for Tennessee. But at the end of the day, we pick it on Tuesday before the injuries come out. And, I mean, we knew at the start of the season that the Jets were not going to be as bad as they were last year. I mean, I think that was pretty obvious. Um, for them to win this game outright, I know that Tennessee didn't have Julio or Brown, and I, I just think that it's a disappointing result because they had. It's it's not like they didn't have opportunities to win this game. They absolutely had opportunities to win this game. The cover that's one thing, but to lose outright to the Jets is just, in my opinion inexcusable for the Titans considering that some of the games that they won last year and kind of where their goals are and what they want to do. You just can't lose this game. And they did. Um, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything else that I can really say about it to, to be honest. I mean, talking about, yeah, like as you were saying, some of Zach Wilson's throw, I like that. He's has the confidence to throw the ball down the field. He had a really nice touchdown pass up the right side he scrambles throws a dime in there like that looked good i haven't seen that that much this year i don't think that that game is going to sway my position on the jets one way or another um it may change my take on tennessee maybe a little bit because you're telling me without their two those two wide receivers you're going to let one of the bottom five teams in the nfl beat you but i mean we knew the jets would be scrappy all year i was not high on them but i thought this would be a huge rebound year for them and i was super low on everybody in uh, tennessee's division like their division sucks they're gonna come away winning a terrible division 
whoever wins this division is not winning a game in the playoffs. I can guarantee that. Like, I'd almost think Houston with Tyrod Taylor looks better than Tennessee. But this division's not good. They're the only team at 2-2. Two and two, And so for them, is this really game matter? No, not really. You're going to make the playoffs because you're going to win your division. Moving into the next game, we had Detroit heading to Chicago. Chicago laying two and a half. And I actually changed my mind so much. And I actually put, this is one of the only games I made a ton of money on. After I saw over 80% of the public was on Detroit as a dog, I'm like, okay, something's wrong. And I started looking in this game more. I'm like, Chicago just had such a letdown spot and such a horrible game the game before. Justin Fields is not going to be that bad again. We've seen good things from him in the past, especially when he moves his legs. And Chicago covered this quite easily, 24-14. And we were both on to Detroit, thinking highly of Detroit. And why do you lay points with the Detroit Lions on the road? Yeah, I mean, because they because they almost beat the Ravens the week before and put up a good effort against the Ravens the week before. I mean, it's a definitely a recency bias thing, that's for sure. But I think, like, again... I just personally think this is just a disappointing like this is just a disappointing game from the Lions where I do think that they had the tools to win. Like where the money was aside, I think it's just a disappointing game. I don't think the fact that they've been close in the last three, four, like oh not this game, but the three games prior, they've been close. Um and had some some good offensive uh some some really good offense from Jared Goff and some solid defense. I, I don't think that's a coincidence, but I do like it was definitely an ill-timed game to not show up. Um, this was kind of my I was choked choked about this game. Um, yeah, I, I just it, it, it could have gone a different way for the Lions. It didn't, and maybe we're a little high on Dan Campbell firing this team up. Yeah, I think so. Just looking at back at this now, I'm like, why would I ever think that the Detroit Lions on the road and Jared Goff on the road would be a good way to go? And it was not a good way to go. <laughs> Do you want to know a fun fact about Jared Goff? Sure, hit it. Jared Goff has lost seven straight starts, including playoffs, tied for the longest streak of his career. Seven in a row for Jared Goff. So interesting for next week is, is that is this guy going to continue his losing streak or is there a way that he can... Because he's going to win one of these eventually, right? That's something to be careful when looking at the Lions moving forward. So I guess the game in the playoffs last year, he didn't start, I guess, eh? Uh, I don't think they – did they count that one? Oh, I don't Oh, regular season then? Because he won a road – but I don't actually think he started that game because of his hand. Hmm. But they won a road playoff game last year, so. Yeah, I don't think he played, though, so. He, he played. He just didn't start, I don't think, because okay. he played the majority of the game. I think their other guy Oh, that's right. Early. They blot it. Yeah, sorry. Starts. It says starts. Yeah. Not games played. Starts. Okay. Anyways, moving into the next game, we had the Washington football team heading to Atlanta. Washington football team laying one and a half. And, I mean, they covered 34-30. Who are this we was, on this game? I forget. We were both on Washington. This was just. Washington shouldn't have won this game. Neither team wanted to win this game. <laughs> like, if Atlanta won the game, you would have been like, Atlanta shouldn't have won this game. Like, neither team wanted to win this game at all. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. Like, like Scary Terry had a good game. That, that's what I can say. 
But again, Taylor Heineke actually had a huge. Yeah, Heineke like I, I look at some of these stats and I'm like, man, like some of these guys, like Cordell Patterson had a huge game. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Why did that? Like, did that screw you in fantasy? Yeah, guys projected for eight <laughs> points and puts up like 32. I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's one of those things, dude, where again, like I think this is another great example of like a, another game that Washington should have lost against a team that's not good in the Atlanta Falcons. And if the Falcons, and I watched their offense the week before, put up 30 on you and arguably should have had more and arguably should have won the game, um, your defense is bad. Like, bad. And I, I don't, I do not see, and like this is kind of, we touched on this last week. We're like, is Washington defense bad? Like, are they as bad as we think? Yes. The answer is yes. They are as bad as we think. And like, moving forward, you kind of, this, this is where you start to wonder, like, like, is this team, is it the, the, this is what's crazy before the season. We, I think we both picked Washington to win the division. Is there a chance that Washington gets last place in their division? Oh yeah, there's definitely a chance, but I mean, really I could have had anybody getting last place on that division. I still think it's going to be Philly, but yeah, I mean, this defense is clearly not as good as it was last year or as look as good as it looked at the end of last year. The secondary is not good. Their front seven still should be good, but it hasn't proven this year. But to me, again, this is just two bad teams. Washington's not good. Atlanta's not good. The NFC East is kind of a mess. Like Dallas is running away with that because Dallas actually looks like a decent team, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't really want to bet on Washington or Atlanta, so this was a game where you had to choose one. Well, we got it, so helps the stats. Yeah, moving along, we had Indy headed to Miami, and uh, Miami was laying two and a half, and 27-17 they lost, and Jacoby Brissett's not good. This is the only game that I have gripe with you over, is you talked me into taking Miami in this game, and, like, not going to lie, I, I was not very firm on the Colts anyway, so I can't put too much blame on you. But you made some good points. And then, yeah, Jacoby Reset is trash. Like, the people online that were like, oh, man, this guy's just as good as Tua. No, he's not. He is not just as good as Tua. Miami made a minor trade today to Jakeem Grant to the Chicago Bears for a six-round pick. If anybody cares, I personally don't. I don't really care about Jakeem Grant. Um, man. Like, is it time to sound the alarm for Miami here? One and three to start the year. This is a winnable game. Defense was, oh, like they were okay, but they... like their their defense numbers don't look good. But this offense is just putting so much stress on them. Like Grant had another fumble. Jacoby Brissett had two fumbles. Like this just can't happen. These are silly mistakes that put so much stress on this defense. One thing about a good defense, if your offense is that bad, you're on the field more, you're put in bad positions on the field. So again, I don't think this defense is bad. Maybe they're not as high as we were all thinking before the year as like a top three defense or something, but this offense is just so horrible. And I'm actually happy to see Jakeem Grant go. This guy just keeps fumbling and he's dropped a couple major passes already this year. And with the skill players I have, I know Fuller's going to be out a few weeks now with a broken finger, broken hand, but I mean... I'm still not sure if two is the answer, but Jacoby Brissett is for sure not. For sure not. And to me, this season is, like, when it comes to making the playoffs, it's pretty much oh, over. Oh, we're gone. It's gone. But the rest of the season just needs to be finding out if two is the answer or not. Yeah, can we just figure, like, figure it out? I have to say this offense 
this double coordinator thing isn't working for me either. I don't know what they were doing this week. Like Malcolm Brown got the most touches and he did not look good at all. Like Gaskin's your best running back. He actually looks like he has skill and potential when he's in there and he's run off some big plays. He's done some good things. He's a good pass catcher. And then just so many weird plays. Like you're just get like waddles. Like you're going to keep trying these screen passes with nobody help. It's, this offense does not look good. And I know maybe it's an offense that was designed the entire summer for Tua and he's not here. So I guess we'll see. And I'm just, to me, this is all the season is for the Dolphins now. And I'm probably going to have to fade them a lot, but it's finding out if Tua is the guy. That's your entire season. You're going to end up with a decent draft pick. So find out if Tua is the guy. And if he's not, don't be scared of drafting a quarterback. Although it's not a great draft for it, but that's got to be your only thing to end the year. I can't, figure out if two is the guy. I can't disagree with you. You got two. You're like you're gonna get two decently high first round picks next year. And speaking of the rush game, Dolphins had 35 rushing yards versus the Colts. 35, their fewest since 2019, which was 25 yards. And I got one more stat about Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett was his that his his touchdown that he threw in the fourth quarter was his first since 2019. Jacoby Brissett is trash, and man, you you do miss Fitz at moments like this. I and it, Fitz wasn't the answer. I mean, frankly, you have to again you you dive deep, and as you said, it's the season of discovery. Figure out what you have, and I see all these memes floating around of like, man, they really missed on Herbert, and damn, did they ever, man! Like, yeah, every game that Herbert looks good, it just makes the Miami brass look like shit. Scouts should be fired for this. But it's every everybody had it. Nobody had Herbert looking like this. Everyone thought Herbert was going to be a backup for a couple of years, and maybe he could figure it out in the NFL. Maybe he couldn't. And it was a doctor puncturing a lung on Tyrod Taylor that he got to start, and he looks like a star. So yeah, hindsight's really easy. But it nobody is. was taking. Not many people were taking Herbert here. And if they took Herbert there, there was no chance he was playing last year over Fitz. You would have started Fitz completely and never tried to get him in. The higher potential in the draft was Tua. You were banking on potential. Two years ago, everyone wanted to lose for Tua. And so, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, and it's really easy to look back. But nobody was doing that at the time. And maybe Tua I will come everyone's... back and, and shock us all. Like, maybe – sorry, shouldn't say shock us all. Maybe he will come back and and he's the guy. He plays really well since then. He hooks up with Waddle like they, and, and has they have a resurgence the second half of the season. And if, if he doesn't, then – Maybe Deshaun Watson will have his stuff cleared up by the end of the season. Who knows? Yeah, so moving along, we had Arizona heading to the L.A. Rams. L.A. Rams were laying four and a half, and I don't think anybody saw this coming. The cards crushed them, 37-20. And like going into the week, the L.A. Rams were by far the best team in the NFL, everyone thought. And maybe we were looking at this, like this had to be a huge letdown game. You went to Tampa Bay, you beat Tampa Bay. And this had to be a letdown spot, but you were thinking it was a divisional game, but clearly wasn't. And it's crazy to think that Cliff Kingsbury outcoached Sean McVay. I, it blows my mind. Arizona is good. And consider this. Um, DeAndre Hopkins had less than five receptions that game, and they still blew the doors off him. Like, that's nuts. Like if if D Hop and D Hop's not healthy, but if he was fully healthy, it could have been even uglier. Um, Arizona just looks good. Kyler Murray 
it is proving all the the height doesn't measure heart right here. Little guy can run it, and he actually didn't even have to run the ball this that much this week. He was just slinging it. Like, and this is why, like, Kyler Murray is a fantasy product, but also just as a quarterback is so great. And I was having this discussion the other day with a coworker about, um, you know, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, and, and what's in between. Like, Lamar Jackson's RB1 Jackson. He runs the ball. His arm is meh. Like, he can make throws. And then you've got Josh Allen. Doesn't run the ball as much. Can. But he he's an absolute gunslinger, could stand in the pocket. And then you got Kyler Murray, who's kind of, in my opinion right now, the best of both worlds, where he can absolutely run as, as much as Lamar Jackson can. But his accuracy and his arm are better than Lamar Jackson's. Now, he's a small dude, so if he gets hit while he's running, he's going to get killed. But, like, he's just looked unbelievable to me. Yeah, I mean, Lamar Jackson is still a much better runner, and you see way more design plays and running. Kyler's not going to do that for you, but the way he can scramble and then throw it out is unlike anybody else really in the NFL right now. And he's doing it quite effectively. And that was the big thing right now I'm seeing with the Rams is one, Arizona's defense looked really good, which we were all questioning. Rams defense didn't look great, which kind of shocked me. I mean, Ramsey kept Hop under control, but he's kind of injured anyways. But Stafford needs to just figure out a way to look for somebody else other than Cooper Cup. Yep. He hasn't really used Woods or Higby as much as he probably should. And it seemed like Arizona was really doubling Cup and being like, if you're going to beat us, it's not going to be Cooper Cup this week. So, I mean, Stafford will figure it out. They have really good receivers there. And to me, I think this is kind of a one-off for the Rams. I still think, at the end of the day, I still think they're the better team. I think it's, I'm going to mark this down as a letdown spot after coming off a massive win against the Super Bowl champs. I'm not worried about the Rams. Like that's that's definitely not definitely not one of my worries. Um, but looking at Arizona's schedule, like these guys could go on a bit of a run here. So guess we're going to see. Yeah, to me, this just moves Arizona to number two in the division when I kind of had them at three to start the year. And I mean, I still think the Rams are the better football team, but. We can that can change in a hurry if Arizona keeps doing this. We're gonna find moving out. Moving in, moving into the other game in the division, we had Seattle heading to San Fran. San Fran was laying two and a half, and again, I thought this was the wrong way, and it was like Seattle's a better team. They won twenty eight twenty one here. Jimmy G injured. Trey Lance actually looked okay. I mean, his arm actually. I don't know if I'm really that impressed with his arm, but he moves around a bit. He does quite a bit of things that you like to see from a new age quarterback. So we'll see going forward what it means, but Seattle was a better team. It's just nice to see that Russ actually had a decent game because he's looked horrible this year thus far. Um, and yeah, I mean, they, they're able the Seattle's defense was able to shut down Kittle. Um, Kittle has, has never scored a touchdown against the Seahawks, which is kind of a fun fact. Um, but yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson just has San Francisco's number. He's sixteen and four career against them. Um, he had a great game. Seattle really did need this one for sure. Um, they can't lack too far behind in that division if they go one and three again. We're talking about the Chiefs, where this is, you know, uh, one of those must-win spots for teams that have playoff aspirations. Um, and Russ went in, and took care of business, took care of business, and got the job done. Well, that's just the tough thing about this division is all four teams are probably good and would have a chance at winning a lot of other divisions, but you're going to beat up on each other so much. So that's going to make it tough. But uh, yeah, I mean, Seattle got the win here. They needed it. So it's nice to see. 
Moving along, we had Pittsburgh heading to Green Bay. Green Bay laying six and a half points here. And yeah, you can't bet on these Steelers right now. Big Ben just, I don't feel comfortable betting on this offense at all. Defense looked okay at times. Najee Harris still actually looks pretty good. Deontay had a game, but I mean, this was pretty easy. We took Green Bay here and I'm not betting on Pittsburgh right now. Oh man, honestly, this is just it's it, we're starting to sound like a broken record that every recap we talk about we're like, "Oh my god, Big Ben looked awful." Like week after week after week. Like maybe we're going to get shocked later on and he just looks so good, but the Steelers are 1 and 3 and they, I mean, they have the same record as the Jets and the Dolphins and the Texans. Like if you're lumping them in with those teams with the offensive weapons that you have, and a defense that last year was one of the best in the NFL. What's the difference, dude? What what's? What? I mean, I mean the defense looked much better this week with T.J. Watt back yes. there. He had two sacks, and it looked capable. I know they gave up twenty-seven, but Green Bay's offense is good. Aaron Rodgers is good, but this is what's going to carry them. And if Ben can at least be manageable, Deontay Johnson and get healthy, like they had no Claypool this week, which is going to hurt when all your receivers are hurt and your quarterback sucks. It's going to be rough. So I don't know. They might have a chance. I mean, Mike Tomlin doesn't have a losing record ever. So are they going to sneak into the area at nine and eight and miss the playoffs? That seems about right for this Pittsburgh team to me where their defense is going to carry them for enough wins, especially against weaker opponents. Green Bay is not a super weak opponent. They're a team who should win their division. So Although it wasn't a great game for Pittsburgh, there were some signs again of life. Did you see the clip of Tomlin and um, Aaron Rodgers? I did not. So at some point in the game, um, Tomlin and Aaron Rodgers, they've both been around the league a long, long time. Aaron Rodgers is notorious for noticing when the other team's guys are still on the field and he hurries up the offense and snaps the ball so they get too many men on the field. And he saw this happening. The Steelers had an extra man on the field and Aaron Rodgers runs to the line and Mike Tomlin immediately calls timeout because he knows what he's going to do. And Aaron Rodgers like looks over at the sideline and Tomlin kind of looks at him and like winks and smirks. And then Aaron Rodgers gives him a head, head nod and kind of a smile. And they kind of laugh about it from the field to the sideline. Legendary coach, legendary quarterback. I, I just thought it was super, super cool where Tomlin's like, Hey, I got you, buddy. I know what you're doing. And uh, and Aaron Rodgers is like, hey, nice get. I was about to get you. I just just a cool moment from that game, despite the despite the outcome. Yeah, I mean, this game kind of was what we thought it would be. So, moving along, we had Baltimore heading to Denver. Denver was laying one point. This was a pick on before the game, and Baltimore was the better team here. And this was more of what we wanted to see from Baltimore. I think a couple weird things. Like Tyson Williams has clearly looked like the best back in their offense, averaging 7.1 yards per carry, which is insane. Healthy scratch. Latavius Murray had 18 carries for 59 yards, which wasn't great. So kind of a weird move. But, uh, I mean, Lamar looked good throwing the ball, 316 yards, one touchdown. And this Broncos offense just did nothing. So I don't know if it's credit to Baltimore's defense looking much better or Denver's offense just kind of not being as good as – they had looked against weaker opponents. Frankly, that's something you want to see out of Lamar Jackson is that amount of passing yards. Um, the Ravens had 102 rushing yards, and that's their their fewest in a game with Lamar Jackson starting as quarterback. So th- there's obviously a shift there. Um, they've been a run-heavy team for a long time. Lamar Jackson's run the ball a lot, and 
it's nice to see from a fantasy perspective and from a game perspective that they have the ability to put up that amount of yards against a defense that thus far this year has looked really, really good and been stifling to opponents. Positive for Baltimore. A nice little bounce. A bounce back spot off of a game that they won. Crazy that I have to say that. But that's exactly what it is where they didn't deserve to win the week before and then came in this week and got the job done. Justin Tucker, by the way, I just want to show throw out my uh, my uh, my Justin Tucker. This guy had a nice nice couple of long field goals in that low uh, that thin air high elevation. What a great pickup for fantasy Justin Tucker's been. This guy's winning me matchups. A kicker is winning me matchups. Yeah, and I mean, did you see the end of the game? Because the Ravens are on like a streak of over a hundred yards rush per game. Instead of just running out the clock and taking a knee and stuff, Lamar Jackson ran for six yards to get over that hundred yard. Like, what are you doing, Harbaugh? Is that really that record mean that much to you? That's funny. That you're gonna put your quarterback at risk of rushing six yards at the end of the game for no reason? Like you didn't even pitch it off to your running back to run at everybody. Lamar was doing it, so just kind of a weird play. But this just comes down to like Denver's. I still think a good team. They're they're not great or anything, but. It definitely found out that they'd been playing three-week teams who were combined 0 for 9 going into the week. But they held, held their own. This game was close most of it. I know the score doesn't show that, but their defense still looks good. And if Teddy can figure it out some weeks, they're going to be okay. My final comment on that, Cam, just on the rushing thing is some teams are up and they run the ball out of the one-yard line to secure the game. And other teams run for six yards when the game's in hand just to keep their 100-yard record. We'll see which one of them has more success moving forward. So moving into the most anticipated game of the week, we had the Tom Brady Buccaneers heading to New England, heading home. And I mean, all the hype that came to it, the video, everything was kind of lame, actually. Like, they don't do anything nearly as good as, I mean, I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan, but they do things amazing for every event. One of the best in all the professional sports. I thought everything around Tom Brady coming back was kind of lame. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I wonder how much that that Bill had to say about this with uh, with the Patriots. I mean, I know that the NFL probably asked them, and Robert Kraft. I mean, you saw him before the game, kind of hugging Tom Brady, chatting it up, and uh, yeah, I mean, they. Uh, <laughs> they didn't do too much. I mean, they stopped the game briefly, but there was no celebration. I mean, Drew Brees got much more of a selly. He was in the building. I thought that was pretty cool. You know, Bill talked to Brady, I guess, after the game for 20 minutes. But I, I do admire that about Bill Belichick, where he's like, records aside, I mean, he's the opposite of Harbaugh. Again, going back to this, Harbaugh rushes for six yards to get his 100-yard streak alive. Bill doesn't give two shits. He doesn't care if you're the most – uh the, the most passing yard quarterback of all time. He's like, I'm here to win a football game. This is distracting my team. I don't want this to be a part of the game. And he got his way. Um, in terms of the game, frankly, I felt robbed that the Bucks didn't cover this one. I mean, the weather was definitely uh, a factor in that for sure. Uh, missed field goals both ways. Uh, the ball was coming out of Tom Brady's hand high. You could just see when he was throwing it that it was slipping out of his hand. And, um, and it ends up going high on a couple of throws. Um, Antonio Brown had could not catch a ball to save his life that game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought that they played well enough to cover for sure. I think they definitely deserved to win it. I think it was closer than 
I, I think it was closer than the game actually was, frankly. Um, but hey, that's that's the thing about football. You have to deal with the elements. That's why you love the game is there's multiple facets to it. And the next game on our docket, we're going to talk about the elements a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Bucks got the win. Didn't hit my lock, but I'll suck it up and, and move on to next week's. Yeah, I mean, this was just a game all about the weather. And early on, like it looked like Tom Brady just had a little too much adrenaline. And maybe the nerves actually got to him because some of those balls were high. And just Tom Brady's played in the rain a hundred times. The rain in New England. He's done it before. It just looked like maybe the moment was a little too big for him, which is crazy to think. Seven but... Super Bowl Brady, the t- moment too big? This is different. This is I, I know how robotic and all that Brady wants to be coming from the Belichick thing. But that's got to be emotional to you. I don't care who you are. So to me, what I saw, I think maybe the moment was getting to him a little more than anybody wants to admit. Moving in to the Monday nighter, we had Vegas heading to L.A. And I mean, Vegas was actually the home team here. 81% of the tickets were sold to Vegas fans. Oh, yeah. This was not a home game for the Chargers, but the Chargers pulled it off, winning 28-14. And I mean, they just schemed up a great defense, especially early on. Like Derek Carr couldn't do anything. This guy was throwing for an average of what, 400 yards. And he ended up with 196, two touchdowns. But I mean, just credit to the Chargers defense. Their defense looked really good. Yeah, they really did. I mean, you were kind of texting us saying like, you need, what did you need? Nine points from Carr, Waller, and Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen to, to, win your fantasy matchup and at like end of the first quarter you're like dude this might not happen <laughs> yeah they had like four points at the end of the first quarter i'm like this is not looking good this should be a runaway like i should i ended up winning the league by like 40 or winning my week by like 40 points but it was staying way closer than it should have for way too long and i mean i think both teams are actually decent like i know vegas lost this one but the chargers are proven to be a good team this year and I think the Raiders are too. And this was just a good divisional matchup. Um, the one thing I do want to talk about was Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro had a great game. He had a, he had a touchdown. And his touchdown was not even the nicest play of the game. His nicest play on no. the game was the accidental fake punt. So the Chargers basically were about to punt. They put a guy out wide and nobody was there. It was like fourth and what was it? Seven or eight? Something like that. And they just left him alone. They had Hunter Renfro was the return guy. Notices that this guy is wide open. Credit to the punter for noticing it as well. The punter for the Chargers. He throws it over. And Renfro unleashes a bomb tackle. Like perfect tackle from a wide receiver. I was super impressed. I was like, dang. Like, you know, if you're not playing defense very as, you know, as at all frankly as a wide receiver this this was one of those tackles where i was like how did you make that tackle just a great football play and i just love to see it i thought that was so awesome yeah it was unbelievable and just such a like for a guy who doesn't tackle ever it was the perfect tackle like head to ball head to ball hit the guy shoulder to the hip like it was just a perfect tackle by hunter renfrew like textbook and he's probably looking at his defensive guys like come on guys you can learn a thing or two from tackling from me but I mean, it was it was an interesting game. Derek Carr kind of came back to earth, which we all thought they would. But, I mean, overall, it was a good game, and I think this is going to be a tight division through the end of the year, especially with the Chiefs' poor start. 
with this last game, I just want to do one, one shout out. Shout out to Ryan Kramer and the Sports Gambling Podcast. If you haven't checked them out or listened to them, check them out on Twitter at Gambling Podcast. And I think it's at Kramer Centric. This guy's hit like three of the out of the four weeks on Monday night games. I think he's hit like three out of four first touchdown scores. Last night he gave out Donald Parham Jr. As a first touchdown scorer and and uh, cool bet, which is what we use, had it at plus twenty nine hundred and it hit, and I bet on it, and that was a massive payday on a first tee. Shout out Kramer, thanks for the pick. As I said, if you haven't listened to him, go follow it. It's unbelievable. Um, man's on a heater. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean his first touchdowns, he's hitting at like fifty percent on these big games, and it's huge. Donald Parham Jr. was a guy they talked about huge in the year. The guy's a monster. He's six foot eight. Like again, just throw it up to him. Well, he the, and that touchdown pass, Herbert threw it like twenty feet in the air, and the guy got like took it down. It was unbelievable. Cam, that wraps up week four. What do the records stand at? What do the locks stand at? How are we doing? Yeah, I mean it was a rough week for me. I went five and eleven. Kind of brought the average just down below. 50%, 48%. I uh, think I can go 0 for 18 on the Locksburg. You think that's possible? No. It, it, honestly, dude, if if week 18, um, I will pick the opposite of your lock. And then one of us has to win. Yeah, you had a good comeback, bounce back week. Eight and eight's always respectable. ATS against the spread. Uh, brought you, just kept your record about the same, sitting 47%. You lost your locks, so that brings your locks back to 50%, which, I mean, our locks are not doing good. Two and six is not good overall. 50% locks is not great because that's what we lock up. This is the bounce back week, though. Again, I felt robbed by the lock. I did. I thought it should have covered. You can, I know that you can say that about everyone, but I thought that I got robbed. This week, I'm bouncing back. No doubt about it. Lock's going to hit. I'm actually going to lock that my lock's going to hit. Double lock. So if you lose this, do I get to put two tick marks in your loss? Sure, because it's not happening, dude. I'm gonna I'm locking the lock. This is the double lock. I just I don't know. I just and maybe I'll take the easy road out. We'll we'll see what the lines are. You have to tune in to our Thursday preview show um, camp next week. Since the Jays are done, we're gonna be transitioning uh, as the NHL season kicks off October twelfth. And do you know what day that would be? I do not. That would be the next Tuesday, which would be a week from today, sir. The NFL season, or the NFL, the NHL season kicks off. Uh, Montreal and Toronto play on the 13th, I believe, on the Wednesday night. Uh, so really glad to have the NHL kick off. Uh, I think we're next week uh, we're going to do a um, an NHL preview of the Canadian team, similar to what we did last year with the North Division. No North Division this year, so we'll just kind of talk about each team. We reproject they're going to end up and, uh, and what they have to do to win and or not, depending on the team. Anything else you got, you got uh, Cam, before we send it off and talk to our fans on Thursday? Well, we got to touch on the Thursday nighter. We like do. We always do on Tuesday nights. This is true. So, on Thursday night, we have the LA Rams heading to Seattle. LA Rams laying two and a half points. Ooh, I don't love. Oh, double short week, eh? And you're in Seattle. I mean, the Rams are definitely need a bounce back 
bounce back spot here for sure. Um, I'm going to take the LA Rams minus two and a half. Common betting knowledge again, two and a half points. You 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 lay them, and uh, I mean, Russ had a decent game last week, but he's ha- he's been awful th- this year thus far. Um, he's going to be playing against uh, Aaron Donald this week. Uh, the Rams obviously are going to be disappointed with their uh, with their loss. It will be tough going to Seattle. The thirteenth man always shows up. Um, maybe this is going to be one of those weeks where Russ shows that hey, I'm a good you know I'm still. I'm still cooking. We're still in this thing, but I think that the Rams are going to go in and at two and a half points, I think they win by, by a touchdown or more. Yeah. I really like the Rams here. I think it's a big bounce back spot. They were kind of disappointing last week against Arizona in a division game. They're not going to come out that same way again. Stafford's going to get the job done. This could be a shootout though. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett against Woods cup. This could be a shootout. I wouldn't be scared of playing the over, uh, I like that a lot. 54 and a half is the over. That's definitely not something I'm scared of in this matchup, especially LA's defense didn't look as good as I think they are last week. And we know Seattle's secondary is not good. Should I start the Rams the in fantasy this week? I mean, depends on what your better options are. I, I don't. I mean, Miami? It, no. They're playing the Buccaneers. <laughs> that is horrible. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I'll I'll leave it. So anyway, all right, beauty. Love the pick. We're going to talk to you guys on Thursday. Uh, As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Over6Sports, at Over 6 and at C. Charlton Turf. And for the Over6 Sports Podcast, I am Zach the Bandit Burke. And with me, as always, Cameron Charlton. The Turf King, Cameron Charlton. Thanks for listening to Over6. We'll talk to you on Thursday.